bless Pastor Steve as he brings this message to us this morning. Help us to churn through it. Help us to work it out in our own lives and our own salvation, Lord. We love you, Lord. Just ask that you bless us. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
Thankfully, we also can serve a Savior who is able to overcome, and has overcome all of that, and will help you to overcome it as well. It's like developing a game plan for those stressful situations. Research actually shows that when we're under stress, our decision-making goes away down. We're not as good as we think we are. You might make perfect or the wisest or best decisions when you're fully stocked with food, but if you go to the grocery store on an empty stomach, chances are you're gonna choose a lot of things that you probably don't need. I'm saying this from experience. So one of the things that we have learned to do is we always eat before going to the grocery store. Sometimes you have other things that push your buttons. Decisions about how you're going to spend money or not, or what to say or not say, or what to look at or not look at, or how to treat somebody that is difficult in your life, or where to go or not to go, or what to do or not do. Why would we even want to make certain decisions ahead of time? Because it's hard to resist when we're in the moment. When we are standing right in front of what tempts us, it's hard to resist. When someone brings the chocolate cake into the office, I might be able to walk past it. This was when I was in school. I might be able to walk past it the first time, but by that third time, it becomes a whole lot more tempting. And then suddenly I look down and I realize I've got frosting on my shirt, and I wonder, how did that happen? And I gave in. Last week I mentioned six negative traits, and we're going to focus on one each week. Six negative traits or states that can derail our ability to make consistently good or better decisions. Here's the first one. I mentioned it last week. Derailer number one. When you're unprepared or unaware. Unprepared or unaware. These are times when temptation can especially strike hard. Being unprepared or unaware of the trouble that is brewing just ahead of you, just around the corner, just out of your sight line, just on the next web page, makes us much more vulnerable to give in to temptation. In fact, the Bible reminds us repeatedly over and over to be prepared. Here are just a few. I listed them on the back of your bulletin. In Proverbs, there's actually a lot of Proverbs that speak to this. Proverbs 4 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 21 says, Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. This is a particularly hard one because we want people to understand. We want our opinion to be made known, and we get upset pretty easily. Even the Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, because the reality is often we aren't any of those, especially in our moments of stress and weakness. Why does the Bible repeat these warnings, these cautionary tales so many times? Because there 
real the reality is is that there is an enemy in this world who is prepared already and does attack. And the devil's mission is to disrupt and steal and kill and mangle anything and everything that matters to the heart of God. And that includes most especially you. When you say yes to Jesus, you actually are saying yes to being on the front lines. Now you're not alone. You have a Savior who is right there with you and who has taken all the slings and arrows already so that there's a chance or hope that you don't have to. Jesus even said right before he went to the cross in Matthew 26, he told his closest disciples who had fallen asleep, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is Your spirit wants to do the good thing, the right thing. But in the moment, our flesh, our bodies, minds, hearts, mouths, and so on can be weak. We all know this. We've all been there. We are there right now, perhaps. And we will be there tomorrow, especially if your team loses. So be prepared. Because we aren't as strong as we think we are. Of course we are strong in many ways, don't get me wrong. You are, you have amazing strength already within you. But paradoxically, we tend to believe that we can handle a lot more than we can handle in the moment. Especially when under stress, moments of high emotion, and when we're fatigued. Which for many of you and me is a lot of the time. The Bible reminds us about not being overconfident in our own strength and ability. 1 Corinthians 10 says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. What's that other proverb? Pride goeth before to fall. I think it's from Proverbs 16. So it's important that we are not caught unprepared or unaware. And in order to resist temptation consistently, we need to decide ahead of time what we are going to do in certain situations. And so we want to make a positive commitment each week. If the thing that can derail us this week is when we are unprepared or unaware, then the positive commitment we can start to make is to say this, I am ready. It sounds so simple and straightforward. But sometimes we haven't even thought about things, so we aren't ready. And sometimes saying things out loud actually can help us come and get ready. So we're going to look at a couple of things this morning, three in particular. They're on the back of your bulletin. Three indicators or markers that can, that can help us in the how we learn to get ready. It takes work. And just like those teams this afternoon have been preparing and planning for a long time for this moment, we need to do so, especially when the opponent throws you a curveball. How will you respond? I know I just mixed my sports metaphors. What are some decisions we can make in order to be ready so that we can resist the temptations that surely will come our way? 
Here's the first one. Number one, you can make the decision to move off the line. Luckily, there were some nice little things in this room when we got here to help us illustrate this. There's a line. And to be ready for when temptation comes, you must have an idea of what that is. And then decide ahead of time to move off the line or move away. Do not linger by the line, especially if you know where that line leads. Now, obviously, not every line is easy to know. Some of them are fuzzier. Some of them have a little more give. The line for somebody might be here. For some of you, it might be here. For some of you, the line that will is way back here. It differs all the time. We like things to be black and white. And there are some things that are that way. But also, I don't know why I can't do this. But there are many things where there's a fuzzy line. Or we're not quite sure. But let's assume that one side is a little bit more dangerous. Just for illustration purposes, we'll pretend it's your side. Otherwise, I have to flip everything around. What do we often do when we know that there's a line? It's human nature. We want to get as close to it as possible. We want to even cross it. My grandmother, God rest her soul, loved to cross the lines. She was a creative artist, always liking to push boundaries. And one time she was at the Kremlin in Russia. And she got to go there and she would go to places around the world so that she, she would sketch them and she'd come back to the U.S. and she would paint things. It was amazing. And so she had her camera with her and she was taking pictures that she could then go home. And in the Kremlin, they had these big velvet ropes. What do you think she wanted to do? And what did she do? right over it and you can imagine how that went not very well and in the midst of the yelling get back behind the line she left her camera on the other side and they said sorry you can't get it luckily there was a Russian businessman at the time who saw this was able to speak appropriately to one of the guards and after she left, was able to retrieve her camera. And luckily, my grandma had put her name and number on it. And he said, well, they have to come visit you. And bring you your camera back. All because she crossed the line. That wasn't the only time. That was just one story. I'm sure if my mom hears this, she will remember that in great detail. We like to cross lines. We want to fly close to the sun and not get burned. We want to take it right to the edge if you've seen Top Gun, and maybe even a little bit further. And we even justify or consider it a virtue. Well, I'm a free spirit. You can't cage me. I want to experience life and suck the marrow right out of it. And that sounds great in theory. 
It maybe even is a little fun at times. But eventually we start to think that it's okay for us to cross other lines because I can handle it. When you go to the zoo, there's a reason they have giant lines that you don't cross. They're called fences. And you can go right up to the fence and you can try to stick your fingers in just to test the waters. But when you do, that line will have a nice snack and you'll be left with a painful wound to remind you forever. We test the line, we cross the boundaries, sometimes we want to touch the fence or lick the flagpole. Or we can decide to move off the line or away from the line. And especially in your particular areas of weakness, the first and best thing you can do is to turn away. Do not linger at the line because we are not as strong as we think. If something feels or seems off or is wrong or clearly sinful, then decide ahead of time, I'm not going to get as close as I can. And maybe if this is the actual line, maybe you actually have to move the line back for yourself so that you don't even get close or in danger of falling in or tripping or crossing over. Sometimes we have to be more restrictive the things that give us the most trouble. I know a friend who does not have his Amazon password. He gave it to a friend. So that because he was a compulsive spender. And every time he needs to get something, he has to ask permission to do it. It was the only way that helped him actually get out of debt. Crippling debt that was destroying so much in his life. Are we going to move away so that when temptation comes, we have a fighting chance of not falling over or stepping into it? Proverbs 4 says this, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. And the cool thing is that actually when you turn away from the line, at first you think, oh man, this is just more restrictive. But then you realize the whole rest of the world is open to you. The playing field is so huge. There's so much room to maneuver. And it's actually incredibly freeing to have some idea of what the boundary line is. When I was first training to be a teacher, one of my teacher mentors was talking to me about uh, classroom control and discipline. And I remember what he said. He said, you can always start tight and then loosen up as you go, depending on the class but it's virtually impossible to be loose and then try to tighten up down the road. Unclear expectations and boundaries make for messy situations. So if you're trying to reset or move the line in some area of your life, I would encourage you, start strong. Be more restrictive to help you. Be firm because you need to experience some wins in that area 
especially those areas of temptation. And you know what? Winning is contagious. Ask the teams today. Winning builds momentum. And when you experience some winds of not falling into temptation, you're going to want more of that. Having clear boundaries isn't limiting, it's free. Those of you that have had small children in your home, you know this. Trying to set boundaries. Kids want to know what boundaries are, even if you don't, even if you don't think so, or they don't believe so. They want to know what the line is, and they need to know what the lines are. That's how we learn. That's number one. Move off or away from the line. Number two. You can decide to magnify the cost. Magnify the cost before you're in the moment. See, one of the problems with temptation is that we haven't really thought that much about certain things. And then we get in the moment and we think we're strong, but then we're actually not that strong. Because we haven't considered the ramifications of the choices that we're tempted to make. We do this all the time. We like to keep things at a distance. This is one of those mirrors. You look in the mirror and it's like, oh, okay, that looks pretty good. I'm looking okay right now. Then you flip it over to the, the magnifying side of the makeup mirror, and you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know my pores in my, in my nose were that large. And you don't really know the reality. There's this wonderful book written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called The Cost of Discipleship. See, we want, to be able, we want to say, yes, I follow Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. But how do we actually consider the cost? And when it comes to our areas of weakness or temptation, we need to magnify the cost. Sometimes the question you ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen if I did this? What would happen in my life? What would it look like? Because when we're tempted to give in, there's always a risk, whether we know it or not. If we have not considered or counted the cost, it's way too easy to act rashly in the moment based on simply what we feel. There's not enough weight behind the consequences. What's the worst case for this choice? What could possibly go wrong? And I'm not saying this because we need to be downers about all this, but we need to consider the magnitude of some of the choices that we're tempted to make. What would happen if I said yes and gave in and crossed the line? And yes, there's always a lot for us to lose. We can lose physically, emotionally, spiritually. We can lose the things we value, our integrity, our reputation, our jobs, our family, our finances. We can compromise our relationship with our kids and grandkids, all because we didn't take time to consider what it would cost us. They didn't carry enough weight in my life. And so I was carried away in the moment. And I'm saying this from my experience, and I know all of you have this experience as well. Numbers 32 talks about the nature of our sin and sinful choices. And it says, you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Why? Because there's an enemy at work in this world that wants to trip you up purposely. An enemy of God that does not want to see you be successful. The nature of sin is such that we cannot run away from it, even if we're trying to hide from it. 
It has a power that we cannot toy with. And whether somebody else finds out or not, our sin will always find us out because of our relationship with God. And maybe that filters into everything else in our life. Romans 6 describes it like this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the ultimate magnification of cost. That if not for Jesus, all of our attempts and all of our tries at crossing the line, we'd be dead. We are dead until we say yes to Christ. When we magnify that cost, I think it can actually help us to decide not to do something that can hurt us irreparably or hurt the ones we love. If you know what the line is, don't want to be here because you know what it's going to happen. And so for you, maybe whatever that thing is for you, maybe it's a whole lot safer to be here or maybe it's a whole lot safer to do this and just start going this way. I know this is heavy, but it's important. Magnify the costs so it carries some weight. That's number two. Lastly, have a plan. Have a plan for your exit or your escape so that when you are confronted in the moment, you actually know what you can do. The best way to get in trouble is to have no plan or no idea of what you're doing. Those of you that are in various states of recovery, you know this, whether you've been in counseling or been a part of a group before, having some kind of plan. Who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters, your accountability partner. Having somebody in your life that you can trust to speak the truth to you is so important. Decide ahead of time how you're going to get away or resist the temptations that come before you're in the moment. How will you respond? There's a great example of the Bible in the book of Genesis about a young man named Joseph. And Joseph was the youngest brother in a big family. He, his, when he was born, his dad was very elderly, and so his dad loved him a little bit more than the parents or grandparents know that. He appreciated him a little bit more, and so his dad gave him a special robe. You know that robe of many colors. And his brothers were jealous of him and they wanted to kill him. One brother said, no, we can't lay a hand on him. So let's do the next best thing. Let's steal his robe, throw him in a well, and then eventually let's sell him off as a slave and tell our dad that he's dead. As if that's a better choice. And Joseph was taken down to Egypt and bought as a slave by a captain of Pharaoh's guard named Potiphar. And in Genesis 39, verse 2, it says that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And God actually blessed Joseph so much that he found favor in his master Potiphar's eyes. And Potiphar put him in charge of everything in his household. And it says the Lord even blessed Potiphar's household because of Joseph. 
But then the story shifts and we see trouble abroad. In verse 6 it says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. He was a looker. And after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Dun, dun, dun. Red flag, red flag. Aruga, aruga, abort, abort. It would have been easy to give in. This wasn't his homeland. His family was far away. They were alone. No one would find out. He was young and single. She made the first move. It must be okay, right? Or he could have blamed God for being in this bad situation in the first place. I didn't do anything wrong. My brother just hated me. You let me be sold as a slave. You got me in this situation, God. Why didn't you help me when they were doing all that stuff to me? And sometimes this is what we feel or think towards God. Since God didn't do what I wanted, then I'm going to do what I want to do and not what he wants me to do. We use our disappointments to justify our disobedience. But what did Joseph do? You see, he had a game plan. He had seen how the Lord was working already. So he had decided to honor God with his life, even in an unfortunate circumstance. I'm going to read a few more verses, but you'll have to read the end of the story for yourself, because it doesn't end perfectly well for him at first. For Joseph, it says he refuses her advance and says, With me in charge, he told her. My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? You think that he just came up with this in the moment, that he came to this decision. No, he had thought about this before. He had seen God work in his life. And he knew, I cannot do this thing. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Not only did he move off the line, he reset the line way back further than he probably needed to. I'm sure day after day it was hard. He probably could have given it very easily. But he thought about what it would cost, and he knew that he had to be ready. In verse 11, it says, One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak, by his cloak, and said, Come to bed with me. Well, what does he do? He left his cloak in her hand and found one thing he owned, and ran out of the house. Sometimes fleeing is the best course of action. See, it's hard in America because we want to hold the line. We want to toe the line. But sometimes the best thing to do is to flee from the line. In a similar way, day after day, the devil is coming after us as well. And because we know this, and because we're not as strong as we think, we need to decide ahead of time what's my escape strategy. What's my offering? What's the way, O oh Lord, that you'll save me from this situation? 
when the opposing side makes a move against you, what are you going to do? See, I think sometimes we, we think about it in our head, but we haven't actually thought about it in a practical standpoint. What is the line? What is my plan? And at first glance, we might think that Joseph was strong, but I think it wasn't that he was strong, it was that he was right. She knew, he knew that she might wear the hat. She was persistent. He knew he needed a plan, and that plan was to run. No matter how the chips would fall. Cliff Note version. The chips didn't fall very well for him. What happens to Joseph? She tells her husband, blames him. He ends up in jail. And then you can read the rest of the story. First Corinthians 10 says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can't endure. The thing that this verse doesn't say that perhaps we need to acknowledge is that why would we want to be that close to the line in the first place if we have the choice to move away before? So we decide. We choose to be ready. Because no one plans to screw their life, but we do it all the time. This is a great week, my friends, to be honest about where you are going. To take stock of how our spiritual enemy typically has attacked you. Because when your boundaries are clarified, then many decisions become easier to make. Just like last week when we said when our values are clear, the decisions actually can be easier for us to make. When that moment comes down the road, when you're hungry and tired and angry and overwhelmed, and stressed and vulnerable, your decisions do not need to be based on fleeting emotion or circumstances, but on the values God has placed and is growing within your heart. Clear values and boundaries actually remind us who we are and whose we are. Instead of being unprepared and unaware, decide to say, God, we commit to you all of our ways, our relationships, our friendships, our finances, our witness, our words, our thoughts. We want to commit all to you, O Lord. And when we do, your word says that you work to establish our plans, because our plans are actually your and that is what we want most. God, help us to be ready. Give us the strength that we need. Help us to put the plan in place to fight off the attacks of the evil one so that we can experience and then share the love of Jesus in all that we do. Father, as we think about the areas where we are or maybe aren't as prepared as we should be. Will you help us to commit today to get ready so that we are prepared when the evil one attacks? Help us to get a real game plan in motion. If we need somebody in our life, Lord, 
provide that person. Pop their name into our head so that we can ask them to help us. Keep me accountable. Help me in this. Lord, we know the struggle is real. We know what needs to be eliminated. Will you help us learn where we have to put more distance in our lives? So that whatever is tempting us to God, the good news is that you do promise to help us. And when we put our faith in you, we are allying ourselves with the strongest power that ever was and is and will be in this creation. We want to be allied to that power. So Lord, help us to do so. In Jesus' name. So church, as you prepare to go forth this week, receive these words. Our Lord Jesus Christ be with you to defend you, within you to keep you, before you to lead you, beside you to guard you, and above you to bless you. Go forth now in the love and peace of Jesus. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Go to the house. Thank